you would, to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. I have a confession to make. Uh, I, I walked in this morning. See, Chris, Chris gets all my notes. I, I um, send Chris all the notes for my sermons so that he can prepare the slides and everything for the services. And uh, as soon as I walked in, Chris saw me. He says, "Well, this is a short message. <laughs> there are no points. I, I'm telling you, it's a short message. The introduction is going to be really long." But the actual sermon is really short. So Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> As I <clears throat> I try to every every Christmas, I, I try to imagine, and I, I come up short every year, but I try to imagine to the best of my ability what it was like that first Christmas morning when when Jesus was, was born in the the, the manger and all the surrounding thing. I mean, you know, I do my best, but it's it's an impossible task. But I still do it. Um, and this year is no different. As I as I as I uh, sat and and pondered it in my heart and meditated on what this what it would have been like, I I came up with an image in my head, and I just couldn't get rid of it. And um, I'm, I'm not an artist, so I couldn't draw it or anything, but I had this image in my head of, of, of something. And as I was, <clears throat> I was on the internet doing some, some research uh, for, uh, actually for this message, and I came across a picture um, that somebody put together, uh, an artist, a print or whatever you want to call it, uh, that is almost exactly what I had in my mind. So I thought I'd share it with you, Chris. There you go. <clears throat> you know, uh, in in the manger is always the shadow of the cross. I mean, we sang about it this morning. Did not Jesus come to die? And as I as I pondered this thought, I thought, Wow, what a what an incredible image that when Jesus was born. He was born in the shadow of the cross. And the cross has to be part of the nativity. It has to be, because that is the purpose of why he came. And I, I, I just, I fell in love with this picture or this, I, I don't know what you call it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's a picture. Um, and and I just, I wanted to share that with you because <clears throat> this this is exactly... What, what I was imagining uh, this Christmas season. And um, I, I hope that it, it kind of puts some thoughts into your head as well because uh, it, it sure is, it's a precious, precious picture of what the manger was, was really like. We are here this morning to celebrate the birth of the King of Kings, are we not? I mean, really, honestly, and I and I kind of thought about this. You know, we should preach Christmas messages all year long, should we not? I mean, why? You know, I don't know. Pastors are kind of weird, but we always, you know, we wait till Christmas time to preach Christmas messages. One of these days, you're going to walk in 
June, July, August, and I'm going to have a Christmas message for you. I know, I've been saying that for years, but I forget every year. <clears throat> yeah, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> but <laughs> but we, we celebrate, yesterday we celebrated the birth of the King of Kings. And I, I have this computer program on my computer that I can type in words, phrases, different things. So I typed in the, 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 the phrase, King of Kings. And it appears in Scripture six times. The, the phrase, King of Kings. Three times in the Old Testament, three times in the New Testament. I, I, I don't know why, but I just found that to be interesting. But this morning, we are going to be looking at my favorite king in, 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 the, in the Old Testament. Maybe, well, I, I shouldn't say my favorite, uh, probably my favorite next to King David. But this guy, it, to me, is just one of the most fascinating kings that ever lived. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was... <clears throat> um, just an incredible figure in history. What is a king? A king is someone who rules or controls groups of people, whether they want to be ruled or not. Is that, does that kind of make sense? Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> was the greatest Babylonian king in history. He was known as the builder of cities. This, this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, was not only was he a great warrior king, but he was a, a builder king. And, and as he would go in and conquer nations, he would build cities and do all kinds of really interesting things. That's one of the reasons I, 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 he just fascinates me. But Nebuchadnezzar was the king that, for all intents and purposes, ruled the world. He was, he was the number one king in all the world. If you were alive in Nebuchadnezzar's day, chances are really good you were subject to his authority. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, okay? And I'm, I'm going to cut this story really, really short, okay? Otherwise, we would be here for days. So Nebuchadnezzar goes down, conquers Israel, takes the people captive. One of those captives is a guy named Daniel, the guy who wrote the book of Daniel. Daniel is groomed to basically work for the king in a sense and again i'm cutting the story short because I, I just don't have time to tell the entire story but anyway in daniel chapter 2 king nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it and it troubles he wakes up and he's troubled have you ever done that uh, i i know a while back i 
it's been a couple months ago, but I, I, I woke up and I had a, I had, had a dream and, and I, I was troubled. And my wife asked me, or I said something about it, and she's like, well, what was your dream? I said, I don't, I don't remember. But, it, but I was troubled. And, that, and that's what happened here. Uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and he's, he wakes up and he's, and he's scared. Now, now, this is the most powerful man on earth. And he's scared. So he pulls together, he, he calls together all of his magicians and sorcerers and, and wise men and, and all his counselors and he pulls them all together and he says this to him. He says, tell me the interpretation of my dream. Well, logic would say, okay, king, what was the dream? And he looks at him, he says, I don't remember. Now, if you were one of his counselors, what would you say? How can I do that? You know, that you're asking the impossible. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, being who he was, looks at all of his counselors and says this to them. He says, if you don't tell me my dream and the interpretation of my dream, I'm going to kill you. And not only that, I'm going to kill your entire family. I mean, you're gone. Your family, everybody, gone. All of them. Humanly speaking, Nebuchadnezzar was asking the impossible. But God. God had a man that worked for the king, and his name was Daniel. And Daniel heard about what, it, what had taken place. And so Daniel goes to the king. And he, and again, I'm cutting the story short here, but Daniel tells him his dream. Look at Daniel chapter 2 in verse 36. <clears throat> this is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. There you go. One of the times it's used, King of Kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, pow uh, power, and strength, and glory. Now, I want to draw your attention to one word in verse 36. The word we. Who is we? Daniel and all the counselors? I don't believe so. Daniel and God. We. Because God is going to tell Daniel, Daniel's going to tell him. So <clears throat> Daniel stands before the king and says, Hey, we are going to do this. We are going to tell thee uh, what. And, and I love what else he says in verse 37. He says, uh, Thou, O king, art the king of kings. For God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength and glory. He stood there right before the king and said, Hey, 
God and I are going to tell you your dream. We're going to tell you the interpretation of your dream. But no, don't forget, it's God who put you on that throne. Now, this is a king that knows nothing of God. So Daniel goes on to tell him his dream, the interpretation of the dream. Again, I, for time's sake, I'm not, we're not going to get into all of that. <clears throat> but my point is this. In verse 37, Daniel refers to him as the king of kings. Daniel, when he, when he calls him the king of kings, you have to understand the context of what Daniel's saying. Even though Nebuchadnezzar is the king, there are other kings and rulers and authorities under Nebuchadnezzar. As, as, and one of the things that is so fascinating about Nebuchadnezzar is when he went into a, a, a region and would conquer a region, he would leave kings and people in authority. So what, what Daniel is saying here is, you are the king of all kings on earth. That's, that's what he's referring to. Daniel <clears throat> um, calls him the king of kings. Now, this morning, I mentioned that we are here to worship the king of kings. And you might be wondering, what's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you the difference. Sometime after what we just read, Nebuchadnezzar gets the great idea to do something special for himself. <laughs> the guy is just like full of pride. So, he decides he's going to build a golden image of himself that is 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And then after it's all completed, he puts it in the middle of this big valley and he commands all the people to come together, all of his royal entourage, if you would, and everybody has to bow down and worship the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> Except for three guys. Three, three, three guys that came with Daniel in the captivity, and their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their Babylonian names. Azariah, Mishael, and Azariah are their Jewish names. So these three guys will not bow down to the golden image. Well, again, Nebuchadnezzar says anybody who doesn't bow down will get thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, these guys say, you know what, we ain't doing it. Again, I'm cutting the story really short. You should go back and read it. It's a great story. But look at chapter 3 in verse 16. <clears throat> and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O king Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. I love <clears throat> verse 16. 
I love that phrase. We are not careful. Okay, we, we don't even have to think about what we're, we're, we're about to say. We've decided this a long time ago. Verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar hit the roof. Okay, we would we would say in 21st century English vernacular, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego pushed his button because he went off. Okay, his blood pressure went through the roof, and he got mad. So not only did he throw him in a fiery furnace, but he ordered it to get hotter to the point where the guards that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, the guards died because it was so hot. Skip down to verse 24 in chapter 3. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Verse 24, And then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and arose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors, <clears throat> Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto, unto the king, True, O king. <clears throat> he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like what? The Son of Man. Son of God. You know, I've often wondered what he looks like. Why would, why would he say that? Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the, to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, Come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their uh, coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants and that trusted in him and have charged the king's, excuse me, and have changed the king's words and yielded their bodies that they may not, excuse me, might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Praise God for that. Three men that were willing to stand and do the right thing. That's still not the sermon. Okay. The book of Daniel, in chapter 4, takes a strange twist. And chapter 4 is not written by Daniel. It is written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. 
which is very unusual. Look at verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. And I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourished in my place. And I saw a dream that made me afraid and the thoughts upon my bed and the vision of my head troubled me. Again, God gives him a dream. But you can see here, uh, chapter 4 is written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And it's a dream that is troubling him and he doesn't know what to do about it. So he, uh, um, look at verse 18. It says, this dream, I, uh, uh, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof. For as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Now, who is Belteshazzar? Daniel, okay? Daniel is Daniel's Hebrew name. Belteshazzar is his Babylonian name. Okay? So it's it's kind of, it can be confusing if you don't understand what's going on. So Belteshazzar or Daniel gives the dream, uh, the interpretation of the dream to the king. Look at verse 24 of chapter 4. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, uh, and they, excuse me, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall. Wet, uh, and, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, uh, it uh, till thou know the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. So basically, what Daniel tells him is, look, King, and this is a, this again, this is in a nutshell. You're going to live like an animal outside for seven years. You're you're gonna you're gonna not even be human anymore. You're gonna crawl around on your floor. You're gonna eat grass. You're gonna you you are gonna live like an animal for seven years. Look at verse 29 of our passage here. <clears throat> okay, again, who's writing chapter four? Nebuchadnezzar is. Okay, verse 29. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, at the end of the 12 month, months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, <clears throat> uh, it is, uh, is, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the king by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the words, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, "O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken: the kingdom departed from thee, is departed from thee." 
So that is when the seven years starts. He goes out. He lives like an animal for seven years <clears throat> in the field. Look at verse 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as an oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair was grown like eagle's wings, uh, feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. For seven years, he lived like that. But look at verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the, uh, the inhabitants of the earth, none, uh, and none can stay his hand, nor say unto him, What doest thou? At that time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom and exalted uh, in, in, in excellent majesty was added unto me. And get verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are true, and his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. My question is, Did God humble him? Absolutely he did. Let me add this. If God needs to humble us, he'll do that too. He'll take everything we have away from us if he needs to. But the real question becomes this. What was the thing that transformed Nebuchadnezzar's life? Was it, was, it, was it him living like an animal for seven years? I don't believe so. That's what God used to humble him, but that's not what changed him. Look at verse, or chapter 2, verse 37. Thou, O king, are the king of kings. Look at verse chapter 3, verse 28. <clears throat> then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angels to deliver his servants and that trusted in him and have cha- charged 
uh, the king's words and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Look at chapter 4, verse 18. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now, O O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Look at chapter 4, verse 37. And there's a point to this, okay? Just bear with me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are true, and his way is judgment, and and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. In chapter 2, verse 37, Daniel, or, or, uh, yeah, Daniel refers to Nebuchadnezzar as being the king of kings. If you look at that, chapter 2 in verse 37, you notice that the word king and the word kings are small k's. Okay? That is an indication in scripture that those are human kings. Okay? Look at verse. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and blessed the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What was he saying? He he uses the capital G God there. Do you notice that? But it is their God, not my God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. You are too. And then if you continue reading down near the, near the bottom, it says that they, may, uh, that they might not uh, serve nor worship any small G God except their own capital G God. Again, this is talking, he is talking about their God, not his own. Look at chapter 4. In verse 18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able for the spirit of the small h, small g, holy God, is is in thee. Nebuchadnezzar still didn't get it. But look at chapter 4, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the capital K, King of Heaven. He got it. He got it. Now, here's the sermon. That's all been introduction. Here's the sermon. Title of this message is King of Kings. The thing that changed Nebuchadnezzar's life 
was when God became capital K king in his life. It wasn't the seven years of living like an animal. God just used that to humble him. But Nebuchadnezzar no longer knew about God, but he knew God. I want this to sink in because this is critical in all of our lives. Most of us have heard of Jesus Christ. Most people on the face of the earth have heard of Jesus. Now, you can go through, and, and, and when we witness to people, we run across people who have never learned, but heard. But most people have heard. But is he capital K king of their lives? Or is he small K king? See, in order for us to worship the King of Kings, the capital K, capital K, King of Kings, we need to know Him. We need a relationship with Him. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar finally had. After all that Nebuchadnezzar went through, he finally figured it out. But to worship the king of kings, we must understand who he is. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he born king of the Jews? You see the K? It's a capital K. King of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The Christmas story is a story that is, that is very familiar to all of us. And I think that one of the problems that, it, that is plaguing America with the Christmas story is that it is so familiar we get tired of it. And we fail to realize it is the birth of the King of Kings. It's a, it's, it's a simple story about a birth of a baby uh, that was in a manger. Can you pull that picture back up, Chris? Again, this is the birthplace of the King of Kings. Now, if that's exactly what it looked like, I doubt it but it at least gives us an image of the fact that when he was born, he was born in the shadow of the cross. Because what makes him king of kings is not his birth. It's his death. Like Nebuchadnezzar, we need to decide if Jesus Christ is going to be 
capital K king in our lives or small k king in our lives. That's the choice that we, we all of us face today. Is he going to be the king of your life or is he just another king? Is he just going to be put on the shelf once a year and yeah, okay, it's Christmas. Let's yeah, okay, it's yeah, you know. No. He wants to be capital K king of your life every day of the year. And that's where Nebuchadnezzar got. You say, well, how do you know that's where Nebuchadnezzar got? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at chapter 4 and verse 37 again. Now, again, who is writing? Nebuchadnezzar's writing. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, He personalizes it. Not only is he writing it, but he's making it known to everybody who's going to read it that what I'm about to say, I have received, I believe. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the capital K King of Heaven. The Christmas story is about the birth of the King of Kings that came to die for you and me. That's that's the story of Christmas, in a, in a nutshell. I found I, f- I found it very interesting. I never connected this until very recently. That Jesus starts his life being called the King of Kings by the wise men. And by the way, there weren't just three of them. Okay, don't get your theology from from Christmas cards, okay? There were probably many wise men. But he starts his life being called the King of the Jews, capital K, King. In Luke chapter 23, in verse 36, he ends his life being called the King of the Jews. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews. Now, again, you you get the the small k here? The soldiers are saying, Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, they, they didn't get it. Save thyself. And, and a subscription also was written over him in the, letters of, in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. In other words, they wanted everybody to know. This is the king of the Jews. You see the capital, capital letters? So the sermon is this, in a nutshell. Is Jesus in your life capital K king or small k king? I can't answer that question for you. Only you can. What is he?
Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. Lord, you've been so good to us, so kind, so gracious. And Lord, I don't want to know about you. I want to know you. I want you to be the capital K king in my life every day of my life. Help me, dear God, to never forget what you've done for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you,